0: Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to the MC Lars podcast. It is Monday, March 23rd. This is episode 82 with Tribe 1. Life just got real in this past week. I know uh none of us expected this corona pandemic to happen like it has and uh, I think the community, the internet community has been really coming together and there has been so much love and support. I did uh, pay what you want for my Bandcamp catalog, and so many people donated, and so many people have signed up on Patreon, and it's just it's amazing to see people support each other during a time like this. I mean, I can't think of anything that's ever happened like this in my lifetime, and in the recent history, it's nuts. Um, we were staying in New York City. And we left because it was just the cases are just growing and growing and growing and everything is like a little tense there. And we are staying with family out in the country outside of New York and trying to live as normal a life as possible. I've been doing YouTube work. I've been doing these live streams for uh, the Lit Hop Lockdown, which I'm going to keep doing. Um, What else? I've been doing the Patreon songs. And I wanted to shout out this week's MC, MC Lars, Lars Patreon, Patreon Larson of, the, of week. the week. It's my friend, the nice Jewish artist, calling in with a positive uplifting story. This was a message he left before the outbreak. Uh, this is what my man Isaac had to say.
1: Hey Lars and all you Larsians out there. <laughs> I don't think this qualifies for the kind of story I'm supposed to call in about, but I had to share it with you. Lars, My wife and I were in Brooklyn a few weeks ago teaching about comic books and the Bible as we do. And you know that all we were singing the whole time was Hipster Girl. Just kept running through our heads. Every spot we hit in Williamsburg, we just kept hearing those lyrics going round and round and it was perfect. Uh, In fact, we went into this great little bookstore, the Desert Island, and uh, talking to the guy about the cool stuff that we've been seeing. We went to this museum of food and drink. We went to this museum called the City Reliquary, which is basically a storefront turned into a museum of people's odd collections of things, from old seltzer bottles to subway tokens to pencil sharpeners from elementary schools for some reason. Anyway, so I'm talking to the guy in the bookstore, and I'm like, wow, there's really some, some great stuff here. And he says, uh, yeah, well, you should have been here a while ago. We used to have a lot more cool stuff, and uh, you know what happens. And I just thought that is such the hipster Williamsburg comment. And no, it's not about the first time that I heard an MC Lars song or saw you in concert, though have got plenty of those stories, including my signed CDs telling my wife to be careful in the minivan while she drives around listening to them. But uh just wanted to know from me, Isaac pal the nice jewish artist how much uh how much we're loving being patreon subscribers so uh, keep it up keep making us rock out here bye-bye
0: thanks isaac that's so cool so cool to hear stories of the neighborhood and i know that comic shop you went to um everyone i want you to check out papermidrash.com. that's the project he does with his wife And they do workshops, and it's super cool combining knowledge of the Torah with comic books. That's tight. Uh, That's something positive. So I really appreciated that message. This Oh, and if you call in, if you join the Patreon, um, you get a special secret proprietary number. You get to call in. And if I pick your message, you get a free shirt. So, Isaac, I sent you a shirt. I hope you enjoy it. Shout out to the new Patreon supporters who sign up this week. A few of them, I want to shout out Christopher Walker, Meka, and Ethan Krupp. And shout out to the old ones, Drew Robbins, Barbara Payne, my wonderful mother-in-law, and Thomas Bomback Jr., who is the husband of MC Evil who called a few weeks ago, who is part of the MC Lars Lit Hop Academy. I do online workshops and like career coaching for people who want to do digital content. So if you're interested in that, email me, Lars at mclars.com. I do one-on-one sessions. I wanted to plug that. It's called the MC Lars Lit Hop Academy. Let's get into it. This week, I talked to Tribe One. Many of you may have seen him opening for me in the UK or on tour with me and MC Chris years ago or – on tour with MC Christian Jesse Dangerously. He is a father, a teacher, a great friend. Whenever we come through Atlanta, we try to get him on the show. He's put out a lot of awesome music over the years, and he is such a cool, humble guy. Like Today, I was feeling anxious about how long is this freaking COVID thing going to last, and um, listening to it, <laughs> Niles' voice, I was just like, ah, so calm. He's so chill. He's just a... A great rapper, a great friend, and a great person. So let's get into it. This is my interview with Tribe One, a.k.a. Niles Gray, a.k.a. one of the members of the Silver Age of Hip Hop. Chill. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I am here with a man, a myth, a legend, a rapper, a husband, a father. We've toured the world together. We've done collabs together. Tribe One, aka Niles Gray. What's up, Tribe One?
2: Hey, what's going on, man? Several of those things that you just said about me are true.
0: Yeah, as in all of them. (laughs) We are in your... You have kind of like this nerd cave at your house outside Atlanta.
2: Yeah, nerd cave is a better phrase than man cave. I shudder at that one. But nerd cave is better.
0: When I think of man cave, I think of like decapitated moose heads (laughs) and beer signs, right?
2: Yeah. There's, (laughs) well, I got beer signs, but I don't have decapitated moose.
0: Describe, what. let's talk about the room. So you have a case of amiibos. I was just asking about that.
2: I have a... I think it used to be like a jewelry display case and it is currently filled with Amiibos. There's Amiibos in it. (laughs) There's newer Amiibo on top of it. There's piles of magic cards uh, that I didn't have time to like organize before you guys got here. And that's that's one side of the room.
0: So the Amiibo works like during Smash Brothers, if you're playing Link... You put it on the controller and it gives you a special move. Is that how it works?
2: So I I don't actually use them for anything. Yeah, uh, I just like them because they're pretty. But with uh, with Smash, you can like put them on the controller and they will form an AI character, and you can train the AI, AI character to like learn a certain style of fighting, and then it'll go and do that okay and you can fight against it you can have it fight the computer you can have an amiibo party and have them fight each other
0: that's tight so if you are to if you were to play someone without an amiibo you would have an advantage i mean right
2: uh i'm assuming i don't actually play smash because i hate it you do why i do because when the first one came out i was in high school and it came out over the summer, I believe, or at least that's when my friends got it. And they all spent the entire summer learning how to play it. Meanwhile, I'm like practicing on Goldeneye because that's what we played all year long. Right? It's like I'm gonna come back and wreck you fools of Goldeneye. And uh, they were all playing Smash. And then so by the time I got back, they were all super good at it, and they just savaged me over and over again for like weeks while I was trying to learn the game. And finally, I was just like, you know what? I'm just I'm just not gonna play.
0: Well, it's with Smash Brothers. For Nintendo 64? Mm-hmm. Oh, that was the first one. And the, I remember the label's kind of unassuming. It's like kind of bad art, right? It's like, yeah, it looks crummy. It,
2: it's iconic now, but if you yeah. look at it with an objective eye, it's like, huh, it's probably not going to be a very good Smash game.
0: Smash bro- what the? <laughs> what's the? This yeah. Then you have a case full of comic books. In the cases, it looks like a comic book store. Like, are those from an actual comic book store?
2: No, they're from this place uh, that used to exist called Filene's Basement. And oh, yeah. what they actually are for are pantyhose. Oh, and it happens to be the same size. It's like the exact same size for comic books. So there's like a five by five, it's a six by five, no, six by six uh, row of comics. You can put about 25 comics in each section and there's 36 sections in each one. And then there's like below those uh, sliding doors are perfect for holding two short boxes of comics.
0: That's tight. What is your most valuable comic you think?
2: Oh, that's a good question. I have a a copy of Daredevil number one eighty one. I think it's whatever is the first appearance of Elektra. Ooh! And I found it in a thrift store, uh, like just a box for a dollar.
0: Wow! It's awesome.
2: What's it worth? I've seen it on eBay, like the graded and like perfect condition one, the, the ones that never sell <laughs> for like five hundred bucks. But I don't I don't know what they're actually Being sold for
0: right it's fun it's funny because it's like (laughs) with that stuff capitalism drives the market it's all Mm -hmm. about like scarcity and where people are looking for it yeah like i remember remember when the death of superman came out oh yeah that was like this is going to be worth so much Mm
2: -hmm. and it was for a little bit while people were buying it
0: well and in the original case Mm -hmm. with the bloody s
2: yeah with the bloody s and the the black bag had to be you know a perfect vacuum seal yeah Yep.
0: that's what's up so you rap a lot about comic books and one of your viral hits is that um Alicious uh a to z superhero song mm-hmm. where you have the video where you're showing all the comics
2: mm-hmm. that kind of blew up it did a little bit that's what's up that is is pretty cool
0: um what got you into comics and like have you always been a comic book fan
2: um yeah like I guess as far back like when when you start to have those formative things where you you like go out and discover stuff on your own like for me it was like middle school sixth grade uh, a friend of mine for my birthday got me a copy of um the dark phoenix saga mm. that i actually still have and uh i read through that and was like huh i would like some more of these <laughs> and uh you know my my dad collected comics when he was a kid and so i Talked to him about it, and he told me what his favorite characters were. So I, like you know, went and got some of those, and those were like X Men, uh, ob- like obviously X Men, Spider Man, Fantastic Four, and you know, uh, I had Batman books, not comics, but Batman books when I was a little kid. Yeah, and so you know that made it easy to get into Batman.
0: That's tight. Um, is Dark Phoenix X Men, t- X Men adjacent? Like the woman from Game of Thrones played. Played Dark Phoenix in the yeah. movie, oh, What's right? her
2: name? Sophie something. She
0: married the, one of the Jonas brothers. Did she really? Yeah. Oh man. That's what's up. That's,
2: <laughs> you know, they have a documentary on Amazon. About? About uh like reforming the band and like going out on tour. That's cool. It's, I've never watched it, but it seems really high quality and well-made.
0: All okay, right. I got to check that out. Um,
2: do you though? <laughs> <laughs> I like docu-
0: music documentaries. What? I
2: do. I do too. Um, did you watch the Bad Brains one? No. Oh my god, it's so good.
0: But my friend Howie put together the book about HR, and Ooh. I went to the uh, signing of it, which was cool, and met HR. I was tight. Oh, dope. So, um, you've okay. So, comic books. So, what was what were the steps that led you to collaborating with Adam Warrock To us being on tour nine years ago with Chris and Raheem. God,
2: nine years ago makes it sound nine years ago. <laughs> yeah, that's when I met you. Yeah what
0: yeah and what's what city did you join the tour do you remember
2: uh i joined in birmingham my first city on that tour the 2011 tour at the bottle tree at the bottle tree which you know i live in atlanta right yeah or outside of atlanta i, I think I was, I was actually in the city at that time i lived in decatur um so we, i my wife and i we weren't married at the time um but we we drove to Birmingham to meet you guys there.
0: How far is that from here? Four hours?
2: It's like a two hours, maybe. Okay. Um, and then I think either the next show or the second show after that was Atlanta. Oh, so it was just it was really really silly. No, the next show was. Uh, New Orleans, not New Orleans, uh, Baton Rouge. Right. Oh, uh,
0: the moon. Something. Yeah, the cres- crescent, crescent moon or something yeah.
2: like that. Um, yeah. So it was just really silly. Like I, I should have just waited for you guys to come to Atlanta, but I was like nah, super hype. You gotta I, get on. I, yeah, tour. I'd never never been on a tour before. Always wanted to. It was like a lifelong dream. So I was like, I need to get a, as much of this as I can.
0: So Warrock just hit you up and said, Niles, will you please like do some songs with me? How did that come together? <sighs>
2: I forget exactly how it happened um one of us emailed the other because i i used to like i was super into comics and so i I started uh reading at work this website called comics alliance um and he did a podcast that was associated with they called war rocket ajax with this guy called chris sims how long did that last uh he did that for a few years i believe the war rocket ajax is still going um it is, n- but without war Rock. yeah without Warrock. that's where Warrock got his name
0: oh really um, yeah because it's adam warlock reference mm. to that old 90s comic
2: yeah so it's like a mix of that so there's war rocket ajax which i believe has something to do with flash gordon okay that like the old show
0: and flash gordon's dc
2: flash uh or is that just, that's the science fiction I'm, show. I think it's the science fiction show. The one that queen did the flash, the, flash. Ha. We're going to have all these king uh,
0: of the impossible people who know about all this details. Like, <laughs> oh ye- yeah. Yelling yeah. us no, on the, Twitter.
2: The comments are going to be insane for this episode. <laughs> um So you hit him up. So you guys got in touch. Yeah. And- we got in touch somehow. I, and I think, I think it was because I I was listening to that podcast. Right. I was already like a fan of comics he had his podcast and then it turns out like he rapped also. Right. And I think what happened, I, and it's been so long, I actually can't remember. Um, I think I reached out to him cause I was, you know, doing a lot of stuff with an, another group, uh, called the remnant. And we had just put out a music video and I sent it to him. I was like, Hey, you know, I'm super into comics. I rap. You also rap. You're pretty good. Um, Here's a rap that I just did with my group. That's what's up. And I sent him that video. And I think it was just a pure promo thing of like, hey, you have more followers on Twitter than me. Um, I think that's actually where it was, is I hit him up on Twitter. is like, you have more followers than me. Could you possibly push this out to your followers if you like it? And was he
0: living in Atlanta too?
2: No, he was in DC at this so, time.
0: So he was in the South as well.
2: Yeah. So he, he did live in Atlanta. He went to Emory for grad school, I believe, but I didn't know that at school. that time. Yeah um so yeah i sent him that he dug it and we started uh you know just talking back and forth on twitter then we started uh you know emailing back and forth and we would play uh tatsunoko versus capcom online that's what's up and uh then he started you know when he started working on his first album uh infinity war i think that's what it's called god it's been so long um he was like you know it was a concept record and he was going to be Adam Warrock the you know which was the play on Adam Warlock and he needed someone to be the Thanos/Demonos slash Demonos character.
0: But so what how did the the podcast just thought it would be funny to t- take a character and change the name around?
2: Yeah well you know Sims Sims is somebody who's like super into comics he actually and uh like informed a lot of my recent taste cuz he's he's like he's a silly guy if you listen to him or read his writing. But he's like super, super uh, informed and well read, and and a very good writer too.
0: Um, is it like a play because the podcast rocks? So it's a play on that, or
2: I, I don't I don't know enough about Flash Gordon to know. I think War Rocket Ajax is either like you know a MacGuffin in the show or like the name of a character or something. And oh, then, oh so wait, they, so War Rock is the,
0: in Flash Gordon?
2: There's a War Rocket something. Oh, in Flash I get it. A, a War Rocket. Yeah, and then. Warlock. And then, you know, I, one of the things they talk about on, on the very rock, early episodes of that is how uh, <laughs> Eugene's favorite comic of all time is the Infinity Gauntlet story. Right. And so, so they took the War Rock from that and then Adam Warlock and Adam Warlock. And then when you are an MC, you rock. And and it's all of it's huge- Ill, But his name's Eugene. Perfect <laughs> confluence. Of, yeah, his name's Eugene. Um,
0: so the Infinity Gauntlet, is that related to the Infinity Stones of Thanos? No.
2: Yes. It is. It is. The Infinity Gauntlet- is a glove it's the glove gauntlet that is the vessel for the infinity stone so when you have all the stones they have all their places on the knuckles of the gauntlet and then when you've got all of them you have limitless power
0: that's what's up so adam war rock warlock could it might be in a future mcu is he gonna get a movie maybe
2: uh I think it's safe to assume i forget which movie it is but there's like there's definitely a reference to him really coming out of like an egg or a cocoon spoiler alert that's what's up uh, at the end of one of the movies i think it might be the the second
0: okay we got movie yeah i look that up um okay so eugene's on tour with us it's his first tour we're mm-hmm. playing mm-hmm. hundreds like sold out rooms yeah it's crazy that's that was the tour that allowed jarbo to quit his teaching job yeah and um I would just come off Warp Tour, and it was like Lars Attacks had just come out. It was like a crazy moment for Nerdcore, mm-hmm. and you all of a sudden in the maelstrom of this flavor, and then That's
2: you, a good word for it.
0: Thank you. You had a run for years. You were doing it like you were touring, and you did the Revenge of the Nerds two tour with Jesse and, mm-hmm. and Doc uh, Ock.
2: Yeah, Doc Ock
0: with Chris. So yeah. Chris, MC Chris, has taken a lot of us on tour and opened doors for us. And absolutely safe to assume that like. Yeah, like without him, I wouldn't have met you. Probably, I don't know. We wouldn't have been as close. Probably,
2: yeah. Or it probably would have taken us longer to to meet and become friends.
0: Yeah, would happen
2: though. It, of course, faded. There's no way. Yeah, it was <laughs> destiny.
0: And we did a UK tour with uh, your Malibu Shark Attack
2: project. I did which that was is I... one of the absolute highlights of my life.
0: That was it. Uh, was one of my favorite tours too. Yeah, and so dope. I remember we went out, what, we party. We were in Brighton.
2: I think it was Brighton. We almost yeah. we
0: almost fell off that cliff on the beach.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh jeez. Yeah, and you like bad choices. You went for a swim that night.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I tried I wanted to go swimming in the water, and B, Mix C was like, "All right, who knows how to swim? Is it safe?"
2: <laughs> and and it, it definitely was. was. It was too cold. It, it was so cold. I don't that know how fun. you did that. That was fun. <laughs> and, but, yeah. What, it, do you remember the name of the group we played with that night?
0: no oh man in Brighton
2: in Brighton yeah uh man because they were so good they were the local openers and they were so good it's two two guys that like play guitar and bass and rap and then they had this uh this woman singing she had the most incredible like Mm. jazz singer voice Mm. but it was like it was smooth hip-hop I don't know I'm making it sound terrible but it was so good uh Street There it is. What a memory. Normanton Street. Normanton Street? Normanton Street. Oh, Normanton Street. Yeah.
0: Okay, check them out. Yeah. Shout out to them. Um, How did you meet Rocky O'Reilly?
2: Rocky, after the tour that I did uh, with you guys, Uh where I I came on like halfway through, out of nowhere emailed me, because I guess he had heard me on... um, on a guest first, because I didn't have any like records out at that time. He heard me on on something and emailed, and was, it was like, "Hey, I'm I'm this dude from Belfast. Do you want to do some music together?" And he like included a couple of MP3s on there, and they were all incredible. And I think they ended up being the songs that we turned into uh, "Bad Mother Effer." I'm not going to curse on this because mm. uh, people are listening that's right uh bad mother effort yo into new york and uh moment of truth i think those were the three that he originally sent cool and i actually i think uh i think better off his friends was in there too and uh yeah i was like holy crap these are all incredible um let me start working on them and i sent him back a demo and he would you know be like oh this is great here's uh, like six more And I would send him back a demo, and this is like a, you know, several month long process because I am a notoriously slow writer. Um, and then when uh, when Chris asked me to do the tour in 2013, the Revenge of the Nerd two, yeah, um, I was in the same position that Rahim was in, whereas like, you know, I asked for the time off of work, I asked for a leave of absence, I had enough like actual leave saved up that I probably could have done a month. Um, and then, you know, taking some unpaid leave if they would have let me and They were like, no, you can't do that. So I had to quit my job to do the tour.
0: You were a librarian? mm mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 I was a librarian, public librarian at yeah. the time. And, uh, so they said no. So I had to quit my job and I emailed Rocky and was like, hey, uh, could we, uh, make an album because I'm going to do this thing and I need, <clears throat> I need something to sell on it. Right. And so he was like, yeah, her. let's do this. And um, I think we finished the second two-thirds of the album in like a month or two.
0: Um, I was going to say, that tour, man. And that was so that was the first time y'all had met IRL in real life.
2: No, we had never met in real life. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, the, tour. The, uh, yeah the tour we did in, in the UK a, was Glasgow? the first time. Was it in, Scotland? Uh, no, where was it? Newcastle? It was in, Oh, it was the like the small town. Uh it was the first first stop of that tour. Was it England or Scotland? It was England. Yeah. Uh not not Manchester.
0: Um oh, man. L- Liverpool?
2: It was up north, right? Yeah, it was up north. I had to Preston? Take, it wasn't Preston. Okay. Um It's
0: God, online. We could find out. Yeah.
2: I should know that. But like
0: And your mom was there.
2: My mom was there. Just
0: on vacation randomly. Yeah.
2: So it was like it was really weird how it worked out. Um my mom was like, Hey, I'm going to the UK. Do you want to come with us on vacation? Yeah. And so I think originally me and my brother were going to go with my mom to just visit the UK and I was like, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yes. I would love to do that. Yeah. And then I, I can't remember how I found out, but I, I, I found out that you were going to be on tour at like the exact time <laughs> that we were going.
0: Right. That's random. And I
2: asked my mom, "Hey, would you be okay if I like asked my friend if I could do this because I wanted to clear it with like cuz you know, she invited us to to like come as a family." Yeah. So I wanted to make sure I wasn't going to hurt her feelings and she she said she was okay with it. I still don't know if she actually was or not but she said she was and she seemed genuine and then i asked you it was like hey man can i ask a huge favor i'm actually going to be in the uk when you're there right would you want to have me as an opener and you fortunately said yes She's like
0: duh but yeah that's dope um was it so did you have some vacation before or did it completely eclipse the family vacation
2: it uh it completely eclipsed i thought I'm maybe sorry. there could be a chance that sorry now you can make both work but you know, it ended up. It ended up being just the tour, and uh, mm. it was incredibly amazing. My mom got to come to, I think, two of the shows. Did your brother go? My brother ended up not going. Okay. Oh so. God, we destroyed. <laughs> destroyed <vacation. laughs> well, he he had his own reasons that he couldn't go. Maybe
0: you could still go so. back. There's yeah, time. I think we could. Um, you're a dad.
2: I am a dad. Two year old daughter. A two, yeah, two and a half year old monster child.
0: You're a father, which means that events like coming to perform. It takes some planning. You opened for us last night.
2: It takes a concerted effort.
0: And it was amazing getting you to open for us in Atlanta. And um, It's
2: always so much fun to come out and party with you guys. It's a good show, right? It was fun, man. You had everyone wanting autographs. (laughs) And you
0: brought people who didn't know the show was happening, but you told them about
2: it. Yeah. So I go and play Magic twice a week. And uh, I I, I told my friends that I play Magic with, like, hey, uh, I'm going to do this thing. Yeah, and they're like you rap. It's <laughs> like yeah, you should come out. That's what's up. And you know, you talk to your friends about stuff like that, and you're, they're like, yeah, sure, whatever. I'll I'll come out. Uh, but they actually did, which was really cool. <laughs> and they they had a really good time. They loved you guys, man.
0: That's what's up. Well, thank you for spreading the word. Yeah, of course, it was um it was just felt normal, felt right seeing you up there. It, I'm not it. gonna
2: lie, man, it felt really good.
0: Um, and usually when you come up, you do a few songs, but you had a whole set.
2: I did have a whole set. Yeah. Which Cause usually tight. you guys come and it's like everybody. It's, you you have like yeah. four people traveling and this time it was just you and Mark. So it was, there was room. There, there was, was room for me to spread my legs. A we, little
0: bit. we made room for you. Um, uh, And so my point about bringing up the story about your daughter is that now to do a six week, seven week tour would be a,
2: Not be a hard. possibility. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, you teach too right yeah I'm, so, I'm, I'm also yeah. a middle school teacher so you know you just you know barring some kind of emergency you can't and i i teach special ed i speak i teach self-contained special ed so my students are are with me all day and they are very uh like emotionally dependent on my presence mm. Like when i'm not there it's it's very tough for them not because I'm some amazing teacher or anything but it's part of their disability is they they need a routine and so when I'm not there that gets shaken up a little bit and they they don't they don't really operate as well um so that's it it just makes it very difficult to be gone for a prolonged amount of time and and then right. there's the fact that I have a very young daughter who also you know needs me to be there and and to be very honest, I need to be here because you know, it's a, it's a very like real thing that you have to be with your kids. Right. You know? And so I have, to, I have to be with her.
0: Yeah. And um, so you're able to do like one-offs and do mm-hmm. stuff around that. Um, you could, could you, would it be more realistic to tour in the summer? If that made sense?
2: I, I think so. Yeah. And I've, yeah. I've, so that's something I've thought about. Um, I'd, I would love to get back on the road again. Um, I, I think it would be, you
0: fans know, fans will be ready. It's been a minute.
2: It's been it's been a really long time. I yeah. just I'd love to get back out and see people. That's that's what's th- like the most amazing thing about when you guys come to town and I get to come out and do stuff is right. like I get to see people, right, and just hang out with people that I haven't seen since the last time you were in town. And it's it's just like a big family reunion. It sure is. So you know, I've I've made so many friends around the country that it would just be so great to come out and just see everybody.
0: Um, You know, Niles. Here's I'm gonna like. I hope this doesn't make you bashful, but these are things about how to me you typify the perfect indie artist. Um, You're humble. You're kind. You're very talented. You have great material, and whenever you've been on a show with us, you're always grateful. And you're always really helpful and you're always really uh you add good energy and i think that's like a non-tangible thing that's hard to describe that makes you like such a fun guy to work with and i think i mean i don't say this as a disrespectful thing to other artists but it's rare to find someone with that package of goodness i think schaefer has that too yeah schaefer absolutely represents that um but you I, wouldn't
2: think so because his persona on stage is such a such a brash such a dude. devil devilish uh devil may care uh, rogue
0: right your 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 attitude i love this about you is that you show up you're obviously passionate about comics and nerd stuff you're passionate about hip-hop but your your attitude is always like what can i contribute to the culture in this Mm instead of what can i take from it Mm -hmm. like like last night i was okay niles i mean not to get too much into business it's like all right i want to pay you for playing you're like no i'm not going to allow you to, to pay me yeah. i just wanted to do this i'm like come on man let me pay you You're like nope i'm like nope. geez, <laughs>
3: decline <laughs> that's like
0: that's an artist <laughs> unheard of it's like he's very generous and I no,
2: well it's because i know i've i've toured and i've toured with bigger acts and i've toured with just myself and i know that being on the road like you you need that and and i i didn't expect it when i went to the show and i wasn't going to accept it when you offered it <laughs> um i wasn't expecting you to offer it and and it was instantly like no you guys are touring like this is your job i'm not going to take money out of your pocket it's just not going to happen
0: that's really nice man and also you let us crash here and that's like Mm -hmm. not getting to save on a hotel it's like i don't know you've given a lot to the scene you know what i'm saying like i do i do appreciate your presence in nerdcore with quotes and Mm -hmm. i feel like you have a lot of great music in you still and I hope so. Have you been, so we did, we've done a few tracks over the years. We did the boys club.
2: We did that one. Yeah.
0: Um, We did. What else? We did. I was on we the Malibu that, Shark Yeah. Attack. You did that
2: song on my record. Yeah.
0: What, what was the theme of that?
2: Uh, that one was wanting to go back to a time before.
0: Oh gosh. Back to uh, yeah, the start.
2: Back to the start. Yeah. So just going back and, and maybe redoing something or hoping things could be different or just evaluating things in a different way.
0: I think I talk about my friend who died in the crash, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We should so every episode I play a song, that should be the one we play. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about comics, if you don't Please. mind. Yes. One of my favorite characters, mm-hmm. one of the most interesting and sad characters origin story, and I've talked about him a lot on this podcast, is the Silver Surfer. Yeah. Uh, Because on his planet things are so perfect Mm -hmm. that what it kind of drives his mom crazy. She takes her life, right? Oh, I didn't, I didn't know that. And because she's from another planet, and she misses like the um, highs and lows of real life. Okay. And then when um, who's a character who comes who like makes him sacrifice himself for the planet? Galactus. Yeah, so he becomes like a messiah figure for the planet, Mm -hmm. and but it's the reason I bring up Silver Surfer is he's a traveler and he is someone who can only appreciate the beauty of his home planet when he goes out and like comes to earth and has all these adventures and he's misunderstood and mm-hmm. and it just feels like this i don't know i've this metaphor about touring like you can't appreciate home in the same way until you've been it's on your been surfboard it, yes. and met different people and realize that you know the world is smaller than you might think. Like I'm looking here, this this poster on your wall of the this t- second tour you did with Chris and all the cities mm-hmm. you hit, and it makes it. I don't know. It's like the intangible friendships we have and the people we reach through this music is so much bigger than than anything. And, yeah,
2: and that, it can, that's yeah. the thing. It really is about you know more than obviously the money, <laughs> which is barely a thing um, it really is about the connection with people because I mean that's all right I'm gonna get really really uh, I, I don't even know uh, erudite
0: okay please um,
2: <laughs> that's that's not even the right word it's just the first one that came to mind <laughs> but I really do believe so I that, so going back to that song we did back to the start one of my verses on that is about how I lost my faith I was Mm. I was a Christian Uh, I I became born again uh, in college my freshman year and then around 2008 is is when I sort of started questioning things and not getting the answers that I thought should have been there so but one of the things that I picked up during that time there's a lot of really good things I picked up during that time yeah um, was that this idea that human beings are the closest thing to god that there is Mm -hmm. and so by making meaningful connections with people you're actually getting closer to god and i and i i still you know without the the spiritual part of that i still believe that like making meaningful connections with people is one of the most important things you can do um and so that's that's what i've always tried to do with my music that's what i've always tried to do uh, when I'm out doing shows, because um, it it means something. It means something to me, right? And and you can see how much our music means to other people. One because they'll come up and tell you, right? But also just like the energy that you feel as a performer <clears throat> when uh when you've made that connection, it it just it's this like self repeating feedback loop that makes you a better performer it makes them enjoy it more which makes you a better performer which makes the audience enjoy it more and it just it just builds
0: yeah well and then in your day job working with kids who have individualized learning plans and special needs like that's that's really doing that work
2: yeah it's it's very very similar thing that's huge because if you like kids don't learn from people they don't have a connection with so that's um Like when you're, when you're trained as a teacher, that's one of the things they always come back to is like, you know, you have to, you have to, the the kids have to know you care about them first and foremost. Right. Otherwise they're not gonna, they're not gonna listen. They're not gonna listen to you anyways, but they're not gonna listen to you at all. If they think you don't care about them.
0: Right. Let, um, that, that, and having the energy and, and humility to connect with them. Mm -hmm. Um, do they do they start to find out about your bass catalog and your hip hop career? <laughs> like what how does that play out?
2: Uh so I enough enough people know that I rap at my job that eventually as much as I try to shield my <laughs> students from it, they eventually find out. And the funny thing is that they do not care at all. <laughs> like once they find out I'm a rapper, there's this moment of excitement, and then they find out that I haven't been on the radio, and I haven't done anything with uh, uh, Post Malone or whatever, right. whoever is the gun viral
0: on TikTok or yeah. whatever.
2: Right? Yeah, and then they're like, "Oh, all right, well, let's talk about math." Then.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, so that's interesting. So the idea to be like an indie nerdcore rapper to them is less exciting than being like a mainstream viral rapper because it's a different world yeah. different planet
2: yeah and in and, and, you know i teach middle school kids and their their whole world is shaped by whatever is pop culture so they have no conception that there's anything existing outside of what they can easily access
0: i'm sure you heard old town road a few times oh, God. <laughs> my wife works with grade school <laughs> kids she teaches science actually you were at the show where i met her I was in yeah, t- Texas.
2: We yeah. It was the South by That's Southwest the South show. South by Southwest showcase. Yeah. That's what's
0: up. That's cool. You were there. Megaran was there. Mm-hmm. Shaper was there. Like it's like it, kind of cool. everybody was there. That's what's up. Um, but like she talks about how they they really will fixate on a song or a specific thing. Kind of mm-hmm. they perseverate on it long after it's been the number one song. It sticks with them mm-hmm. and resonates. So if you had a song that was like in a commercial, they would then f- be obsessed with it. It's kind of mm-hmm. like this. It's weird. It's not the art that defines the alliance; it's the social resonance of it, maybe, mm-hmm. which is fine. Yeah, we were like that as kids, I guess.
2: Yeah, absolutely. We
0: also didn't have in social media though.
2: Yeah, well, uh, you know, when we were growing up, um,
0: how you're thirty four? I'm thirty eight. You're 38, so you're a year older. For some reason, I thought you were younger than me.
2: You're older uh, than me. Yeah, I'm you're a older. Bit older than you. So we, I mean, we were growing up right around. Are you the 82
0: same time. or 81? 81. Okay.
2: And you, you grew up in the Bay Area? Yeah. All right, me too. Oh yeah. Yeah. What part? Uh, mostly Palo Alto.
0: That's what's up. Yeah. How did you end up in the South?
2: Uh, so I went to I lived in in the Bay Area, like Palo Alto, yeah. San Mateo, until eighth grade, and so right. for eighth grade I moved uh, to Tucson, Arizona, to live with my dad. And then Tucson uh, was a place that I wanted to leave as soon as I could. Right. Um, so I I moved out here for college.
0: Did you go to Emory or where'd you go? No, I went to Morehouse. Oh, cool. Yeah. And then did you have to get your te- Did you get teaching or you went to library school?
2: No, I just I I got an English degree. Like I, I started what's up. I started. uh, I actually have a song where I talk about this uh, on uh, K Murdoch's record. Um, I went to school, originally was a computer science major. Yeah. And then I started failing a bunch of math classes because I would stay up too late playing Street Fighter and Tekken. Right. Uh, And then another friend of mine was an English major and it seemed easy enough to graduate in four years (laughs) doing that. So I I switched over to an English degree uh, and then... You know, sort of fell into a few jobs, and and then finally fell into the library.
0: I remember I'd have classes. I lived with um, my friend Mike, who who's he's a professor at um, North, uh, UNC now, a oh, biology nice. professor. Professor, yeah. but we all lived together in this house sophomore year, and I'd be like rolling out of bed at one p.m. and he's like, you "Freaking English majors!" Because <laughs> yep. it was a little easier, honestly. It uh, was, yeah, it, it wasn't. I mean, yeah, I think classes started later. Is Morehouse a uh african-american mm-hmm. college yeah it's
2: it's a historically black college or university hbcu um and it's it's uh it's where martin luther king jr went to school oh, wow. it's where sam jackson went to school spike lee uh guru from gangstar That's went there yeah. tribe one and tribe one went there
0: <laughs> what percentage would you say was black students like 99 like n-
2: 98 yeah there's well maybe maybe even lower like maybe more like 96 uh there's yeah. uh like, I was I was surprised. There's a lot of Indian students that go there and a, mm-hmm. and a couple of white students. Um, and then there was, I think when I was there, there was maybe one or two Japanese guys as well. It's also an all-male school. Oh, wow. Um, and then across the street, or like Caddy Corner, because it's all sort of like the same parking lot. Um, and it's a very small school to, uh, as well. Uh, there's Spelman College, mm-hmm. which is... Another HBCU, but it's the all-women's uh, school. And then sort of behind that is Clark Atlanta University, which is a co-ed school. But it's another HBCU. And then next to that is Morris Brown, which is another HBCU. So there's like four major historical, um, historically black colleges um, that, are, that form what's called the Atlanta University Center.
0: That's what's up and you are biracial right mm-hmm. so it's so let's get into this i mean like nerdcore has always been interesting and especially recently because it's become i would say more open and i feel like it started out kind of
2: I I so it's become more diverse more
0: diverse yeah. yeah and more um i think true to like hip hop as a culture in term and i, I don't know if as a white person i can say this but like as being representative of different fandoms and different cultures mm-hmm. and it's start it's cool starting to see that with people like eugene and you and Megaran, and mm-hmm. samus and now lex yeah. like it becoming more open how did do, how does it feel to be like playing shows to to i would say chris's fans are predominantly white i mean but it's it is a little diverse but how does that feel connecting with that audience
3: Um,
2: well, you know, like I said, I grew up in the Bay area. My mom is white. Um, and she, she did a very, very good job and she, you know, she tried really hard to make it so that my brother and I didn't know we were quote unquote black. Like she, she, like race was never a thing. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and she really made a a concerted effort to make sure that was true. Um, and I think my dad worked really hard at that too. Like they split when I was very little. Um, but looking back, it's, it's very clear that that was something that was very important to them. And so I just didn't know I was black and there would be little reminders here and there. Like, you know, I'd be at school and it would come up somehow or, um, and really that's that's the only time the bay california is a very liberal place and so you know it's not exactly post racial but it's it's more accepting Tries than a be. lot of places are yeah
0: um so that's <clears throat> that's interesting so meaning that having obviously you knew that like culturally you had a unique background but that being black was not a different thing or that it was like it wasn't like
2: mm-hmm. something well and you know that being said i was still growing up my brother and I were the the black kids at whatever school we were going to like we were the you know the vast minority um but again it was never really an issue it was never something we talked about it was and it it just wasn't something we thought about
0: right interesting so
2: one of the reasons i chose to go to morehouse was because it was an all black school and i realized like when i was looking at colleges i had never spent really any time around black people right like obviously i knew black people at school um but you know just as as a community i hadn't spent any time there and so that that was one of the major reasons i chose to go to morehouse um but as as far as like performing for like mostly white audiences it's not something I think about. It's just right. like people who I have a connection with, and people who I have a shared interest or many shared interests with.
0: That's what's up, and it's uh, it's interesting how hip hop has always been about breaking down barriers, right? Mm-hmm. And it's punk in the in the side of in this in this um, in the way that punk rock is about taking away the barrier between the audience and the stage. Mm, hip yeah, yeah. hop is about removing barriers, mm-hmm. and I think it's really cool that. I don't know. Someone might a, a white kid from from the Midwest in a small town might get into you, and then from you get into Gang mm-hmm. or like realize some of your influences mm-hmm. and be like, "Oh, there's a whole nother world," and kind of figure out like a lot of the social s- stuff. Like that that sublime song about KRS-One is like about how people from other cultures can learn from hip hop. And I think yeah. I think it's really cool, man, that you've gone into. You've branched from being full-time musician to from librarian to full-time rapper to teacher. Really, it's all about protecting the the knowledge, like the maesters in Game of Thrones, right? Mm-hmm. You're preserving that, and and yeah. I think that's awesome. And yeah,
2: yeah, who cares? It's like hearing it described that way. I agree, it is awesome. It's similar. <laughs>
0: it's the same kind of path. Yeah, you know.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, also, there's a limited number of things you can do with an English degree. <laughs> You um, can rap. You can, you can rap or books. you can, yeah. <laughs>
0: so when you grew up, what kind of church did you go to?
2: Uh, my mom used to take, it, it wasn't often or like consistently, but she used to take my brother and I to uh Unitarian church. Oh, wow. And so, you know, one of, one of my earliest memories is of being in that church and singing this song uh, that goes, it, like the words are literally love, 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 love. The gospel in one word is love. Love thy neighbor as thyself. Love, 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 That's and it right. just repeats that. And and I remember being in the in the pews and singing that. Um, and so that that informed a lot of who I am, actually. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, the Unitarian Church is interesting because what it was Emerson and the transcendentalists kind of started at, and it's very huh. very. Um, ecumenical in the sense that it Mm -hmm. brings together a lot of religions yeah like the the
2: spiritual side is is almost secondary right um you know i did some looking back because you know when you're a kid you don't think about it it's just something you do right um but when i was like looking and searching and finding myself i I looked back because i you know i remember that song and i remember being there and i look back and it's like huh like it like that song really is their whole deal and, and the spiritual like more uh, legal legalistic aspects of it are really not what they're focused on. Right. So that part was cool, but it, you know, when I was looking and eventually did become a Christian, that was not what I was looking for. So I was like, okay, hard pass. Let's, let's move on to the next thing. So you became born again, like, yeah, very evangelical. In fact, the remnant, uh, when we formed was in college and it was like a, gospel rap group
0: that's right did you ever hear Keras one spiritual minded record his gospel record
2: i remember talking about it with my friends my christian yeah. friends when it came out right we all had very strong opinions about it mm. even though none of us had listened to it
0: right interesting yeah um he's an interesting figure because talk about like interesting figure. adaptability and controversy mm-hmm. and staying power and teaching
2: mm-hmm. he's tight. yeah teaching is a big thing for him
0: so what brought so so? Would you say you believe in God now, or you believe in, like, where do you stand on that stuff?
2: Um, I'm I'm atheist. Yeah. Now, although I guess I mean every atheist I think is really an agnostic because if God <laughs> showed up and was like, "Hey, like here I am, right? Here, here's the evidence," I think right. everyone would be like, "Okay, fine, whatever." <laughs> um, but <laughs> Schaefer yeah, Schaefer said I'm, a
0: similar thing actually. Yeah. I'm
2: yeah. A, yeah. Uh, atheist.
0: Yeah. Um,
2: I believe there is nothing.
0: Really, do you? Be, so no. when you when we die, you feel like we go, which just we leave our our works behind and our
2: yeah. I'm, and it it uh, yeah. I don't think there's anything else. Which which makes this more precious
0: this you know? moment right now. Yeah, sitting in your in your nerd cave.
2: Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Spending uh, spending time with you.
0: That's what's up. Spending. Yeah, that's interesting, man. I I mean, uh, so I I talk about this on the podcast, but I grew up Episcopalian. And I've been trying to go to different churches and figure out uh, exactly where I stand because there's been this differentiation from my family, Mm. and it's 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 hard to think that like after we go, we won't see the people we love again. It is it is heartbreaking.
2: Yeah, it's it's that's one of the things that I'll think about from time to time, and it's it's hard to sort of conceptualize that. It's hard to conceptualize like as as difficult is as it is. To get, wrap your head around the idea of infinity it's i believe for me at least it's equally as difficult to conceptualize nothing
0: infinity and nothing are the same thing maybe oh maybe oh, that's profound profound Man. um what so wow this is a, this podcast just got mad deep. what <laughs> were the so because i know in the song um, that we did, we mm-hmm. you talk about, it, and that's why I wanted to like delve into this. Mm-hmm. What were was there a series of events that led you to be like, oh, maybe, maybe I I don't believe what I used to believe, and I, you probably talk about it in the song,
3: but
2: I, I go into it a little bit. Yeah, um, it just, I mean, the 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 short answer is a lot of the things
3: <clears throat>
2: that made sense on further inspection only made sense because I didn't question them and once i started to question them the answers that i got either continued to not make sense or or just were not satisfying and that that makes it seem like i'm you know i think i'm smarter than god which i don't like i i don't think that i am the smartest person you know but I think for something that important, mm-hmm. you should feel certain. Right. Um, I, I have. There's a line on one of the songs uh, on the the Remnant record where I, I say, um, "If you never questioned your beliefs, you don't believe them." And so right. I started questioning my beliefs to see if I believed them, and and you know the answers I came back with. I I just couldn't believe anymore
0: interesting man
2: yeah and and you know it it was very very tough because my entire world at that time was a christian world all my friends were christian uh i was in a, a a group that had some you know renown in the city like we could get people to come out to our shows um in this christian rap group right and you know I was- perfor- I, I performed for probably two years before I told my groupmates that I, I didn't believe anymore, and we um
0: when did you have this realization? Was it before I met you?
2: Yeah, yeah, it yeah. was before. Um, I want to say we put an album out in uh i want to say it was like two thousand seven, two thousand and eight called P b and J, and one of the songs on there you can you can hear the thoughts that i was and that was when i was really in the midst of it yeah um so i think the song is called all about love and my verse is not a rap verse it's actually like a i wrote a a singing melodic thing for it and and it's all about like like god give me give me something i can latch on because right now i don't have anything
0: sounds like uh a- Call back to your the Unitarian hymn you mentioned,
4: mm-hmm.
0: right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, it, I think so. At the end of the day, a lot of how we define God to me is semantics and very political, obviously, mm-hmm. and it's very personal. It and, is very personal. And so, no one, no one has the answer. No one does. We all hypothesize, right? Mm-hmm. But it's the way we act. In their day to day life, the way we live is if God is real, which I believe God is. It's, mm-hmm. but, but, but who cares about that? It's the practicality of how you act. Yeah, if you it's can, how you
2: connect with people.
0: How you connect with people is that's the what in the Trinity in the Episcopal Church. I Remember learning about the the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, whatever. Mm-hmm. And the Holy Spirit is like this moment. It's like this 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 kind of um, transcendent energy that exists beyond just us as flesh flesh and bones that that will one day stop breathing Mm -hmm. right and so like it doesn't matter what how you define it what matters is like what you do do with the time and that's what not to get too deep into this but what draws me into and what has inspired me about icp and their whole thing is like the mythology and like all the stories about the importance of time and the importance of how you leave your legacy and how you treat people being Mm -hmm. like all we really have
2: so I, i believe that's true
0: And that's, and that's interesting how talking about infinity and nothing that dichotomy is like, you call it what you want, but like all that stuff just exists to make sure we treat each other better. And in, and in this time of like selfishness and cutting off and, and, and the lack of compassion, Mm -hmm. I think, I think, I think that the message, whether you believe it or not is kind of urgent.
2: I I think so too. And, you know, and for me. Uh, you know, I'm not trying to convince anybody of anything. Yeah. But for me, like all of those things are still true whether or not God exists. Right.
0: And, and that's tight.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't matter what you believe, you can still be nice to people. Right. You can and still be a good person.
0: If you're going to be nice to someone because you know it's the right thing to do, not because you think you're going to be rewarded with like harp and angel wings, mm-hmm. that in a way has kind of more gravitas, mm-hmm.
2: right? That's uh, it's Descartes, right? Oh, that, I don't that know. That thought of like... Uh, I, I could be mistaken about who it is, but that idea of if you're only doing the right thing because of the reward you're going to get for right, it, right? then that invalidates it being the right thing.
0: The um, altruism for altruism's sake. Yeah. There's this thing called Pascal's wager. Have you heard of this? Maybe that's
2: what I'm thinking of. Yeah.
0: Um, and that's the idea that <laughs> Pascal believes like, okay, God might not exist, but if you act like he does and do the right thing, then it's worth it because if he doesn't exist, mm-hmm. at least you'll have done the right thing anyway. Mm-hmm. It's a similar yeah. thing. That's yeah. and Whitey Cracker has a funny, funny play on it where, um, no, this is going to get really silly and ridiculous now. So he. You've hung around Bryce before, right?
2: A little bit. I don't I don't know him as well as uh, some of my friends do, but I've spent You've heard a, stories. a little bit of time with him. Yeah.
0: He loves to just urinate everywhere. <laughs> inside, outside, during a panel at Anime Con behind the stage. Because he believes this is he he it's his version of the Pascal's wager. Do so you know how dogs mark their territory, right? So he believes when aliens come. If he has urine across the planet, <laughs> he'll be a dominant species and they'll take him on the spaceship and want to learn from him. That's his version of Pascal's wager. <laughs>
4: so,
0: so he gets in trouble for that. But that's where I first started thinking about Pascal's wager in that context. That
2: is 100% in line with every story I've heard about Bryce. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. That's
0: what's up. Pascal's wager. Um,
2: Pascal's wager. Hey. Hey. <laughs> Niles, do you have a favorite comic book character of all time? My all-time favorite comic book character, no hesitation, is Devil Dinosaur.
0: Please tell me about this character because I've not heard of them.
2: Devil Dinosaur was created by Jack Kirby when he returned to Marvel Comics in the late to mid, mid to late 70s. Yeah. Um, he left... Marvel, after falling out with Stan Lee, uh, went to DC and created uh, the the New Gods, okay, which were these like this very uh, mythical celestial figures. Um, and then he left DC again uh, and went back to Marvel for this triumphant return. He did uh, Captain America. Uh, he brought he made the Falcon a major character, and the Falcon is now a major character in uh, in the MCU.
0: Isn't Silver, Silver Surfer one of Kirby's Silver favorite Surfer characters? Silver Surfer is, yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, like, yeah, Kirby uh, created Silver Surfer uh, and Galactus.
0: Holler. um
2: So he came back to Marvel in the 70s and was just like, they let him do whatever he wanted. And so one of the things he did was Devil Dinosaur. And he <laughs> is a dinosaur, <laughs> surprise, surprise, uh, who existed in uh neanderthal times okay like uh, all right all right and so he's got <laughs> he's got this neanderthal friend that he goes around with named moon boy and moon boy is the point of view character and he so he narrates everything that's going on
0: moon boy does
2: moon boy does okay um because devil dinosaur is a dinosaur like he's not intelligent or is anything. he verbal he's just a dinosaur no he's not
0: is he demonic
2: He's not demonic. He was struck by, he was born in a volcano. Okay. And struck by lightning. Right. When he was born, like when he hatched. And that, and so he's like this fiery red Tyrannosaurus Rex.
0: Therefore, okay, so he kind of looks like a devil.
2: Yeah. So he doesn't have horns or anything. He's literally a T-Rex, but he's red. That's ill. It's, it's so, and so we're the talking art, 70s? Yeah, it's like 70, 78. I Silver think. age, would you say that is? No, 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 no. This is like, this is bronze age. Okay. Um, like the very tail end of bronze age maybe more like transitioning into the modern age um and you would I
0: remember you would call yourself silver age hip hop right
2: yeah so that was that was our our informal crew name that me and Warrock had we were the so silver so, age okay?
0: which is chronologically so golden age is what what like let's talk about that so chronology
2: golden age is like it's action comics number 1 okay until uh showcase i want to say 12 or 22 or something but it's where barry allen appears in the in the dc timeline um
0: i don't know barry allen
2: barry allen is the flash oh thank you and so there's there's jay garrick who is the original flash who had like the the you know soup or the spaghetti strainer with wings on his head yeah um and and he was the original flash and then you have Barry Allen and there's this like iconic comic book cover where they're both running towards you on the cover to save somebody who's like about to have like, you know, construction debris fall on them. Right. Um, so Barry Allen emerges and that is universally recognized as the beginning of the silver age. Cause it starts the new DC timeline where all of these characters exist cool. in the same universe. Cool. So that's the silver age. And, and so, we we called ourselves the silver age because we uh you know there is there is a golden age of hip hop right and and we
0: which is what like like grandmaster flash and, to run dmc
2: yeah uh and, and you know up maybe to
0: nwa maybe
2: yeah maybe up to nwa yeah um and and so we we were talking about it and you know, one of the things we talked about is how there is not a unit, like with comics, there's a universally recognized silver age, but there's not that with hip hop. Right. Like, Or at least there's nothing called the silver age. Right. So we thought it would be cool to define what the silver age would be for hip hop. Right. And so we called ourselves that.
0: And now hip hop would be in the bronze age?
2: The gilded age, I think.
0: (laughs) That's funny. That's poetic. Well, the gilded age was all about... Well, in a literary sense, covering up the the decay and problems with flashy, two dimensional. So maybe that end. would
2: be like the late '90s, early 2000s hip hop. Yeah, like when bad boy starts to emerge.
0: Oh yeah, but we're probably still in it.
2: I I think so too. I don't think that era has ended yet. No. That that hyper consumerism.
0: Yeah, late capitalism. Have you? Did you see um, uh, Uncut Gems?
2: No, I want to. Okay, I, well, haven't seen it. I, I haven't been to the theater. I have I have a, a two year old man. Yeah, I don't get to I don't get to go out. She
0: wouldn't probably uncut Jenna. <laughs> I don't think she would her. enjoy that
2: movie. My two year old. <laughs> I'm not talk
0: I don't want to talk about it because I don't want to spoil anything. But um, that movie is very late capitalism. I mean, and there's some rappers make cameos in it. It's pretty good. Hmm. Um, Niles.
2: Yes. Am so, I allowed to call you Andrew?
0: Yeah, please. Sweet. You you, you get the Andrew pass. <laughs> um. So let's let's wrap it up. What where can our fans find you? Listen to you, holler at you, correct all the inconsistencies <laughs> of our nerd history here.
2: Yeah. Uh so my music exists on my so my solo stuff is on Bandcamp. Is uh, it on Spotify and stuff or not? My solo stuff is not. I never actually took the time to do that. I probably should. Does it have Details. samples? Uh no, not really. We should put it up, man. I should put it up. Um i will eventually all right um but it's on bandcamp you can listen to it for free buy it if you want uh tribe one spelled out dot dot uh all my group stuff is on spotify so like the two weeks notice record i did with michael kill that's on there all the remnant stuff is on there um and then i've if you if you look me up on spotify most of the guest verses i've done for people like our stuff is on there yeah uh and like stuff that I don't even remember doing. Like that stuff. I found I found a verse that I did uh on Bill Beats' record. What do you mean you don't remember? You just like, oh yeah, this or were so, you Yeah. Like I was yeah. I was going through it, I was like, because there's another Tribe One. No, um, there I, is? There is, there's another Tribe One on there, and they have a couple of albums. I think it's a group, maybe, but they're super uh they're not very good. And it's very, very uh contemporary uh like trap rap okay kind of like not a positive message stuff
0: trap 1.5
2: yeah more like 1.2 yeah um or like 0.8
0: yeah (laughs) um there's a bandage artist named mc chris is it really yeah and he just did a um predator song really and so it's like you go to mc chris like oh new single and it's definitely doesn't sound like him like i wonder is there a way to have an injunction or something like? Because you've been probably doing it longer than
2: uh, I'm certain. I these have these jokers, but I've I've never actually liked the name Tribe One.
0: So I'm Whoa, not, really? Not
2: super attached to it. I think yet. it's a great name, man. Uh well, thanks. It's because I used to be like when I was first started coming into my own as a rapper, I wanted a battle name because I thought it was going to be a battle rapper, right? So the name Diatribes uh is what i started with that's tight and then i got super into micah nine from freestyle fellowship Ooh. and i realized i want a number in my name right so i shortened diatribes to tribe and i put a one after it i always
0: thought it was a nod to krs one but maybe that's random yeah that's
2: tight well one is also like a very traditional hip-hop number like pace one yeah uh krs one yeah uh, there's several notable ones yeah, but I'm talking to
0: the, we're talking to the one <laughs> right now. So, okay. So tribe one on Twitter, tribe one, one,
2: tribe one, one on Twitter. So I don't think tri- I've posted it. I have everything I post nowadays. It's like every six months I'll post something funny that my daughter's done.
0: On tribe. O N E W O N.
2: Yeah. Tribe one, one, because yeah. I win. Yeah. Yeah. And or then
0: you have an artist page on page on Facebook.
2: I have an artist page on Facebook, which I think you can get to with the same tribe one, one.
0: And you're on Instagram, Tribe One One.
2: And I'm on Instagram, at Tribe One One. <sighs> I haven't posted on Instagram, I think, since the Jesse tour. You're one of those like
0: millennials on every platform.
2: <laughs> yeah, but I but I'm also super old and crotchety because I don't use any of them.
0: That's what's up. Do you think you'll do a new record sometime when you have time?
2: I am currently working on at least three. That's it. Really, three? <laughs> yeah.
0: And you have your you record it in here?
2: I do. Yeah. You're,
0: yeah, you got a nice mic and nice setup. But the the acoustics you. here are good. Yeah i do my vocals just in my office man like i have i use on one of these mics and Mm -hmm. um if you just don't have like a lot of reverberation it's amazing with the plugins and stuff and the right yeah you could make really good sounding rap just like so easily
2: yeah you know this this setup has worked for like guest verses and stuff but i think i like i have i have so many friends that do this on on such a better level than i do that I think when when it's time to do that i'm gonna call in some favors
0: that's what's up you mean production favors
2: yeah like production favors yeah. and just like you know i i have a good friend who um has a like he's a professional musician he has a really really dope uh home recording setup so i think i'll i'll hit him up and be like hey man i mean atlanta hang out <laughs> this is a
0: home of like some of the most classic american music came out
2: of the city yeah kind of did didn't
0: it that's what's up i love that I love this about you, that you're family man, teacher, you're still making music, you still rock shows. I mean, yeah, When you come to town. That's what's up. But it's like you never gave up on doing this art form. And you always, like I said, jumped into it with the right attitude. And I feel like in yeah. 20 years, 30 years, we'll be on the porch rocking, looking <laughs> back. You know what I mean? Like, I feel mm-hmm. like, I don't know, you and I will be friends till, we're, till the end of time.
2: That is 100% true
0: that means a lot to me.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, it makes me happy. And you should make time to do the things that make you happy.
0: That's right. And you made time today to hang out with us and take care of us, give us coffee. And I wanted to say- And muffins. And muffins. You just fed us. And you (laughs) let us. It's nice to be able to like on tour to have like a house with a friend to kick it at me so much.
2: No lie. That is one of the factors that I thought about when my wife and I bought a house. Is like how got, simple gotta make sure there's room for my friends to come when they're in town that's dope you have a nice house man thank you
0: yeah it's cool thank and you. it's big and um you're in a nice neighborhood yeah. and,
2: and it's covered in baby toys baby because, toys yeah.
0: comic books and amiibo and
2: amiibo i've thrown so much money away on what's
0: your life? most valuable amiibo <laughs>
2: uh so the gold mario
0: yeah in the, the box
2: yeah in the box that one is it it's not as expensive as it used to be because it has been reprinted, I think. But the uh, the Mega Man Legacy Collection Gold Mega Man, right? And then the Mega Man Eleven Gold Mega Man; those are still sealed, so those are like they have the game that's also boosting the price a little bit. Oh, in there? Yeah.
0: Oh, like the Switch game and the DS. The yeah, DS? the Switch
2: game and the 3DS game, um, and then the uh, Solaire from Dark Souls. That's tight. is, is pretty expensive too i mean it's not it's it you it's could get more than the msrp yeah
0: um you have two of the golden marios you have one on the platform up there is that the same
2: yeah that, that's the same one like yeah. I, I am an out of box amiibo collector yeah so but i but i knew that one was gonna be like hard to get so i i ordered one for two. out of the box and then one for that i could keep nice and display
0: this duck hunt one is dope with the dog and the yeah, duck yeah, yeah. that's ill yeah i, like I, that one. I love smash brothers because it kind of it plays up on the nostalgia it's like the yeah. who framed roger rabbit of games because they're yeah. all there it's mm-hmm. fun it's fun
2: yeah and that that's how i justify <laughs> spending as much money as i do on these things because i have close to 100 of them now
0: that's ill man but that's,
2: like these these characters like these plastic figures obviously are are not they're they're not important but the characters are like they they are part of my childhood they're part of who i am so having them makes me happy
0: i feel you on that um this one with like the wings is that from final fantasy this Uh, one to the left of the um
2: inuit uh guys with hammers uh the in front the guy with the sword yeah uh so that's crom from fire emblem that's ill yeah. That's so, Ill. so, what I've, about I've got all the Zelda amiibos. I've got all the Fire Emblem amiibos. That's what's up. I've got all the Splatoon amiibos. Oh, those I, are who's those the guy are, with
0: horns here, the
2: Viking. That's Shovel Knight. From from Shovel Knight. Okay. It's, it's an indie game. Oh, They're, so they have indie amiibos. Yeah, there are cur- Shovel Knight is currently the only uh indie game with an amiibo. Really? Yeah. That's cool. And the, so there's a gold shovel night now that just, just came out. And then there's the three pack of King Knight, Plague Knight, and uh, uh, Death Knight or like Scythe Knight. I forget his name. It doesn't matter.
0: So when you are investing
2: <laughs> in this stuff, like, is it a- Investing is a very generous word. <laughs> is it is a
0: conversation <laughs> with your wife, like, look, it's on eBay. I, we've got a hundred bucks. I'm going to buy
2: this. Or do you just click? Oh, honey, look, sorry. Yeah. It's definitely an ask forgiveness, not permission situation. <laughs> I don't know if you knew.
0: I'm like very obsessed with Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I didn't know that. And I want to start an Instag- Instagram of all my Roger Rabbit merch because oh, I definitely spent a lot on it. But um, I try to be candid with Ashley about it when I'm buying it because it's our shared money. But at the same time, sometimes I'll be like, oh, this shirt. Ooh. And then I'll buy it. and I'll be, it, it, It's it's interesting thing when you have a – when you have a a spouse who's supportive, but you also have to be reasonable with your purchases. You do have to be reasonable. It's a balance, right? It is. I'm still trying to find it. Right. Uh, uh and, but, and you can justify it as long as you're not out on the street.
2: Yeah, exactly. Like you know, I'm I'm fortunate to have a tiny amount of disposable income, and I have things. I, I have too many things. Uh, like hobbies and passions, and just things that make me happy when I have things like comics, video games, Amiibo, magic cards. Yeah. Um, so having having these things and being able to own these things and and you know do that, spend time with that. Yeah. Legitimately makes me happy, and I feel like that's worth a few bucks.
0: Because some people spend tons of money to go to the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. spend money on uh, whatever. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like a hobby. And I yeah. think it's cool that, you've, yeah. yeah, you can you,
2: own it and rock it. Yeah, you you have to make time for the things that make you happy. You just that's, do. That's
0: what's up. Um, like this podcast, like this podcast, of course, and this adventure. Tribe One One, check it out and um.
2: Look Remember th- that time you were trying to wrap it up and I started talking about amiibos. No, again? I started it. <laughs> I've
0: found with this, I've talked about this before. Sometimes the podcast, like the last twenty percent, is the most interesting because people are off guard. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So like talk, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I always enjoy. It. I always the other thing I always do is say, oh, one more question. I've got twelve <laughs> questions. Um, so <laughs> so this is we'll play back to the start from Malibu Shark
2: Attack. Hey, let me ask you a question. Yeah, what's your what's your favorite rap song that you've heard this year? This year? Yeah, it doesn't have to be from this year. But what's, what's I mean
0: f- the the baby the bop song? I needed some ish with some bop in it. Have you heard that? No, I haven't. It's, a, it's one it's one of the newer hits. He's good. Huh. He's um. Yeah. He's got a cool flow and he's got a lot of style. Obama had him on his like best of 2019 playlist, a different song. How about okay. you?
2: Uh, I was kind of hoping you wouldn't ask me that. Uh, I, I'm, I, so I just started, I feel bad about this cause he's a friend of mine. I just started listening to Chesky's new record. That's what's up. Like, like this year. And I haven't, I haven't finished listening to it, but, um, Like, it is really, really good. good. Everything he puts out is great, um, but the new record is real good.
0: You know who opened for us in Orlando was E-Turn, who's part of Fake Four? Yeah, She's ill. She's ill. Nice. Chesky's tight. We we played, there was a benefit for Alias when he passed, Mm -hmm. and we had a conversation, and uh, yeah, Chesky's ill.
2: Yeah. Super nice guy, too. I
0: I got to peep that flavor. (laughs) Do you have a favorite hip-hop record of all time?
2: Uh, Well, one I can always go back to is um the rise and fall of brainwash projects have you ever heard that no who's the artist uh are you familiar with pigeon john yeah so back in 98 i believe he did uh he he was in a crew like he's part of this major like nine dude crew called la symphony right but he also has flynn adam yeah flynn adam atkins and cookbook and uno mas yeah joey l and all of them um but he also was just in a group with him and this uh, and another guy from L.A. Symphony called B Twice, right? And they were called Brainwash Projects, and they put out one record called "The Rise and Fall of Brainwash Projects," and it is like just super solid, uh, you know, '90s hip hop.
0: I got peeped that
2: it's uh, I, it's real fun. I like really Picture really John. fun. But I remembered what my actual favorite rap record is. Yeah, it's uh, Micah Nines' Nines, 1969. That he did on fake four
0: so you like some of this progressive los angeles socal rap i do yeah i gotta check out that micah nine yeah. what was it called again
2: it's called 1969
0: have you ever heard the flynn adam pigeon john root beer yeah Gurley hit me up because the homie is famous <laughs> my friend dj loved that he got me into that and yeah. flynn adam this is random completely random um my album Lars attacks has a, mm-hmm. a feature by uh john rubin Oh, nice! And um, yeah. Flynn Adam engineered John Rubin's verse.
2: Very cool. So
0: he's one that's of the awesome. co-producers yeah. on that record.
2: <laughs> I had I had John Rubin's first album, and there was like a lot of songs on it that I really loved.
0: Yeah, what was that? Uh, what was his first record called?
2: Oh God, I was trying to think of this the other day. He's and still I going. Think of it. Is he really? Yeah, he. Oh, he that drugs makes, makes me happy. Yeah. yeah,
0: we used to. I, I, when I lived in LA, we lived a few blocks from each other. We did kick really? out a lot. Yeah. You
2: know? Oh, that's awesome.
0: But now he's in Nashville.
2: Okay. Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Um, but uh, yeah, John Rubin's the man. He's a very prolific, wonderful person.
2: He always seemed like a nice guy. I never met him. That's what's up.
0: Um, Tribe One One, thank you
2: for being on the podcast. Are we there yet? That's, Are we there That's yet? John yeah. Rubin's first album you from know, 2000.
0: His, my favorite is uh, Hindsight. Hindsight, it's a beautiful thing. And um, the song, I, John Rue, solemnly <laughs> do promise you, the listener, always to keep it innovated, doggone it my name is john rubin and i got my word on it that's tight that's what's up john rubin okay <laughs> thank you, you niles Andrew.
2: thank you i Thanks love for you having bro me.
0: doing the handshake boom all right we're gonna wrap it up and this is back to the start is this on spotify
2: this is on spotify that's what's up so please yeah malibu shark attack is another thing you can find on spotify
0: peep that let's get the streams up and uh try one one thank you buddy
2: thank you yeah Yo. love you man
0: love you too
3: kids again sitting in science class and quoting lines from half-baked and buying that very first dime bag from a classmate and then when you fell into the heavier stuff i saw the full measure of what peer pressuring does and i haven't spoken to you since the day we both got our diplomas just know i'm sorry and i wish that i could start it over
0: What would I go say? If I had a time machine, who would I want to see? Probably, my friend Jason, he was only 14. When a drunk driver coming home ran him off the road on that Halloween night. So cold, cars were towed. They collided in the darkness, smoke and shattered glass. God called him home. It was quick, it was fast. And I really miss my homie, the pranks that we made. Harassing everyone with the silly jokes we played. From the classified ads to the random digits. Trolling 24-7, it was serious business. Pool parties at your house, each show. July 4th, acting hella goofy in our video book reports. Let's go back to the start and the part when I believe that you'd be here
4: forever, Jason Barton, R.I.P.
3: Used to be a god above the clouds that I believed in. I knew He was around, and even if I couldn't see Him, even if I couldn't reach Him, I was subject of His will and the love that He instilled. Till I discovered that He wasn't real. They say that hell is when you're cut off from God, and when I lost my faith, I felt more separated than the earth and space, further than church and state. So I figured if I can't be a believer, then at least I can impersonate. So I regurgitate the words in every sermon. A new man, hoping to return the better version. When the day was done, God looked upon His work and said. I saw that it was good, I don't believe it, but I wish I could, let's go.
0: Back to the Start by Malibu Shark Attack, where I did a little verse. Be sure to check out their record. Be sure to check out Tribe One's work and be sure to stay safe, everyone. I know it sucks staying inside. I hope you can stay entertained. I promise to keep giving you fresh content that's original and fun and enlightening. And I think that once we get through this, we'll be very appreciative to go to restaurants and concerts again. I'll be really excited to go on tour Um, yeah, it's kind of profound hearing these interviews I did before all this Corona stuff happened. Um, but you know, it's going to be okay. Next week I got Ben from the former fat boys. I interviewed him in Chicago. Schaefer and I crashed with him. Be sure to check that out. Great interview. And uh, yeah, I'll talk to you all soon. Hit me up anytime. I'm on social media. If you have something you want to vent or just, you got a friend, MC Lars is your homie and I'll always be your homies. And I love you guys. And thank you for allowing me to do what I do. And thank you for your generosity. My back catalog is still pay what you want on Bandcamp. I'll probably keep it up another week. So if there's anything you missed, peep the flavor. All right. Thank you, everyone. Talk to you soon. Bye.